I think there's this myth or this idea that if we have conflict, something's wrong with the relationship, or there's those fears of abandonment that really get triggered. And we think that conflict means the relationship is over. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. All right, podcast listeners, I have been reading your questions and there is a common theme that keeps showing up. How do we feel close again after we just had a disagreement? My partner doesn't like to come back and talk about the hard stuff. My partner doesn't apologize. I always have to bring up these hard conversations. I get it. This is a common experience in our relationship. The reality, we didn't learn how to repair. It was never modeled to us or it came attached with a lot of shame. And yet, repairing is one of the most important things we need to do in our relationship because without it, we are more likely to build resentment and disconnection. It's like sweeping our issues under the rug, only for the rug to get incredibly bumpy. I'm so excited to offer you my next free resource. Join me in my free masterclass. In this session, you will learn how to feel close again and connect with your partner after the fight so you can look over at your partner and feel like a solid team. Go to drtracyd.com for more, or the link is in the show notes to register and show up to my masterclass. And on the theme of the repair, let's go into today's session with my colleague, Dr. Morgan Anderson. Dr. Morgan Anderson is a clinical psychologist and relationship coach, host of the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast, and creator of the ESL Relationship Method. She helps women break the toxic dating cycle, raise their self-worth, and attract the healthy relationship they've always wanted. You might remember Dr. Morgan from episode 21 of season two. It has been a highly downloaded episode. I recommend that you go check it out. We also talked about attachment styles and finding your growth edges. Be sure to see her on Instagram. Send her a DM to say hello at Dr. Morgan Coaching. Let's go into today's episode. Our topic for today, we are going to talk about repair, and then we're going to dive into repair from an attachment theory lens. Uh Can we just start out by saying that repair does not get talked about enough? No, absolutely not. And you know, I think what we tend to try to find is, okay, so how can we communicate differently? How can we connect in a way that feels good for both of us? But ultimately what we need to start talking about is, well, what, what do we do when we reach those hard spots in our relationship? And we know, and I think this is really important, even as I'm starting to say this, I'm thinking of someone who, you know, from either of the attachment styles might say, well, gosh, if we're arguing and we're having these blowups, that's not a good thing for our relationship. But what I always like to remind the people that I work with is that it's not if we struggle, it's not if we get into a disagreement, it's when. 
And then when we get into that, what are we going to do to be able to come back together and to repair that? And Morgan, I'm sure you see this all the time as well with the people you work with, but for many people, what they have learned through watching caregivers or even through other relationships is that we don't talk about the hard stuff. We sweep it under the rug. And unfortunately, when you just keep sweeping things under the rug, that rug gets really bumpy. And then you're at more at risk of building this disconnection and not feeling good. Yes, to everything that you said, I think there's this myth or this idea that if we have conflict, something's wrong with the relationship. Or there's those fears of abandonment that really get triggered. And we think that conflict means the relationship is over. Um, in doing all the couples therapy I've done, and I'm sure you've seen this too, the couples that I would worry about the most were the ones that had zero conflict and weren't really connecting or speaking to each other. Because in any great relationship, there's going to be that closeness, which means there's friction, which means there's conflict. So in Right. In talking about repair, we're saying you're going to have conflict. We want to teach you how to get through it in a way where you can grow together in a healthy way. Yes, absolutely. And that couple where that that pattern in a relationship where someone says, we don't fight. So if you ever hear someone say, oh no, we're good. We never fight. I don't think that's possible in a healthy relationship. And those are the couples that I am more concerned about when they show up in my office and they say, well, something doesn't feel good, but we know we never fight because those are the two people who um, are engaging in that freeze or flee type cycle. They don't bring up the hard stuff. They push everything down, they shut it down and they don't talk about that. And so then that friction just stays internally where it's kind of like two people are parallel But what we want to be able to do in our relationship is to be interdependent, is to be able to cross over together and lean on each other. And that builds trust and intimacy, which is ultimately what we're doing in our relationships. Such a good point. Yes. I think when when we can say, hey, we, we can have conflict and that's going to make us stronger. That's going to help us grow together. Um. And then the couple, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just, just what we've said, you know, the couples who do not know how to get through conflict. I think one of the things I think about is there's probably one person in the relationship that is self-abandoning, that is not being true to themselves. They're not showing up fully. So whether it's one person or it's both Uh people in the relationship, they're probably self-abandoning. And then it builds just what you're talking about. It can build the resentment. Resentment leads to distance, which leads to relationship death. Yes. I've said that before. Yes, of course. Right. So if there is, if you are not bringing up the hard stuff in your relationships, then you are likely self-abandoning. You are giving up parts of yourself because it's not possible to not have that friction, to not have that conflict, to have someone who's going to meet every single one of your needs. So I think as we're starting out here, Morgan, what you and I are both really saying to the people listening is, hey, guess what? 
Let's learn to embrace conflict. Let's learn to embrace being uncomfortable and having hard feelings about it. Because what we know is that master couples have conflict and what they've learned is the skill of repair. They've learned to repair quicker in their relationships. So we're not wiping out conflict. In fact, conflict is normal. You're two different people. You come from two separate backgrounds. You have your own baggage of stuff that you're bringing into a relationship. And now it's about, well, how can we navigate that when, you know, staying with the luggage analogy, when our baggages are clashing um, and we're struggling, right? What do we do then in those moments? I love that. I see so much of the work that you do where you talk about how couples can do this. You have done extensive work on this, and that's exactly why I knew you were perfect for this topic. Um, I would love to hear your definition of repair. How would you explain it? My definition of a repair would be coming together from a regulated space. So this is not a, I'm coming to you and I'm all huff and puff and I'm just saying, oh, sorry about that. Or sorry, you feel that way. We're coming together. We're both regulated with the intention to build connection, to build understanding of your part and my part. And when we come together, I'm going to own my piece of what's happened and what I've done here. And I'm also going to recognize my impact on you. And we're going to talk about our needs in order to move forward together and co-create our worlds. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. 
Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoccom slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using Loop Engage to help dampen the sound around me, and these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable, and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. What would you say is a repair? (laughs) I love that definition. That was good. I felt like you encompassed some of the key elements of a successful repair. I think if I think about it, just a short and sweet definition, not as detailed, I would say something like intentionally healing, not even healing, intentionally moving through the conflict that has occurred and coming back to secure attachment together. Mm, I love that. Right. So we are trying to move forward and it's almost like, um, the analogy of the Japanese tradition of putting the gold over the crack in a bowl and how beautiful that bowl becomes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yes. so then, then we're coming back to security, to security being whole and we can still use that bowl and we're connected and close. I love that. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and the thing is, most of us, I, I almost want to say all of us, did not have models for repair growing up. We simply did not see it done. Or if it was done, it really wasn't done in the healthiest of ways. And it took forever. I, even as a young child, can remember my parents being in an argument for weeks, weeks and weeks and weeks. And then eventually my dad bringing flowers home and them making up. 
but it was like the flowers and they didn't talk. I mean, you know, this is my young child brain. This right. is what well, would, I took would you in. see though? What was modeled to you? You didn't yes. get to see the conversations, right? And and I, I would yeah. agree. I I think of all of my clients that I've worked with, most of them have said something along the lines of nobody talked about hard feelings or dad would walk out or mom would explode in anger. So we learned to like tiptoe around. Um, I never saw them. And I asked, I asked my clients and couples, what did you learn about repairing your relationship? No, I never saw it. We just don't see it happening. Right. We don't see one partner coming to the other saying, wow, I got angry and critical there. And I'm really sorry. I was feeling so hot and I see how I wasn't speaking to you kindly. And I hope you can accept my apology moving forward. I'm going to make sure that I'm taking some nice, slow, deep breaths. Right. Like, you know, I think of, and truthfully, Morgan, I'm sure you can relate to this, but even in my own relationship, one of the things that I was not great at doing early on was owning my stuff and apologizing. It's hard to do that. And we have to recognize that it is hard. Um, and something that I think has made us stronger and more secure throughout the years of us being together is the ability to go back and repair quickly. Hey, you know, I was being defensive earlier. I didn't hear what you were saying. Can we try again? And we're actually modeling that for our kids as well. We're doing it in front of them. I love that. And it, it's true that if you've been in a relationship where you haven't practiced repair, you can always learn to mm. practice it. There's always room for for growth. Yes. And I, I love what you said about ownership. I think that's that's such a huge, huge piece of successful repair. I think about not having ego being mm. willing to say, I was wrong. This was my side of it. And in relationships, always two people, there's always going to be a dynamic of both people contributing to the conflict. And there's always some part you play, even if maybe it's smaller than your partner's, but you're still playing a role. And it just is so powerful when we can practice ownership. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's this the self and other, right? And when we think of a relationship, there's you, there's your partner, and then there's the dynamic that happens between you, right? So being able to even acknowledge that, oh, wow, when I said this, then you felt that and did this, right? And kind of going back and forth, which is what I do with my couples and my program and Be Connected. I teach couples how to recognize that cycle. But there is that ownership there of saying, I did this here. And remembering that neither one of you are right or wrong. You are showing up to the world with different perceptions and assumptions, and ultimately you're both okay. So it's like you just said, we've got to drop our egos when we show up into this repairing space because there's this expression, I'm going to get it wrong, but if you're fighting to be right in your relationship, your relationship is not going to last, right? There's something along that lines, right? Or there's no, uh, what, what would be the expression? Do you know the expression I'm thinking of? I do know what you're thinking of and I I can't remember it either but it is exactly that of we don't want to prioritize being right over being connected there's my spin on yes yes right I love that spin so (laughs) we need to prioritize connection over being right yeah Uh, absolutely 
This is the space where people will often ask, okay, what do I need to do to repair? Join me in my free masterclass to learn my four A's to help you repair, feel closer after the fight, and reconnect with your partner. Head to drtracyd.com for more or click the registration link in the show notes. I will say I actually love apologizing and taking ownership. I think it's something I've really worked on a ton. And I actually love to say the words, you were right. I was wrong. (laughs) And my, my boyfriend, he'll like, I do this joke where he'll like run around the house and dance when I say that, but it's, it's true. There are a lot of times I'm not right. And I, I think the quicker we can come to that place and take ownership, it just, it helps us move through repair so much more quickly as you've talked about. Can I add one piece to that? And I want to say, you don't have to take responsibility or ownership for the whole thing, but one small piece, right? So what I did there, or even acknowledging your, and acknowledging that you might not have had the intention to hurt your partner, but acknowledging that they had feelings and a reaction to something. Because ultimately what you're talking about there is respect. I respect you enough to say, I see that you're upset by how I spoke to you, by what I did. And that is something that I can take ownership for. And I'm sorry for that. Absolutely. And I think there's this really important nuance where we can say, I hear you. I understand you and where you're coming from. Yeah. And it was different than my experience. Yeah. Both can be true. And I uh-huh. I apologize for, for the way I came off. Yes. So I think one of the other things we need to include, Morgan, when we think about this repairing piece is we don't want to keep having the same fight over and over again. So is there a piece in repairing where we actually step back and say, what did trigger me here? Right. And, and we do this as part of the emotion focused therapy work with couples. Um, I know Gottman talks about this as well, but just really being able to step back and say, what led me to act in this way? What were some of my assumptions? What were some of my perceptions about my partner that led me to go into this space? And really that's that self-discovery space. Or was it a topic you were talking about? Was there something externally going on? Were you maybe on your phone receiving this stressful email response coming in that then led you to be short with your partner? And we can learn from identifying those triggers And that can also build into, and I think what you're saying here around the curiosity is that can build into understanding of the self and the other. I think that's so key in knowing that when we really do get clear on asking for what we need and our partner hears us, that there is opportunity to really repair And maybe next time, if that same conflict arises, it'll be just this tiny baby conflict instead of a big tidal wave, crazy conflict. So absolutely. I love that you brought that up. You know, it's really interesting when I think about this, Morgan, is that what we tend to do in our relationships is that we make this into this really big, complex thing where we wait until the stars and the sun and the moon all align before we can have this repair. And I think 
part of this work is allowing ourselves to be a little bit messy. We're not going to get it right the first time. We're going to struggle repairing the third, the 10th, whatever, the 100th time. But that commitment here is that you're in this willing to grow together. And that really comes back to that attachment security where I'm trusting that I am worthy, that I am good enough, that I am lovable, and that my partner is safe, lovable, responsive, and engaged with me as well, right? So that's that back and forth. And actually, as I'm thinking that, I'm thinking of a question that I wanted to ask you, which is around, you know, what do we do in those early days of dating? And there's this maybe repair or not a repair. Like, how do we navigate that in a new relationship? Mm. Well, I agree so much with what you're saying. And I think, you know, all of the perfectionists out there especially need to know that we Mm. have to take messy action in our relationships. We have to show up messy. Yeah. And there's, it's just always going to feel, it'll get easier, but it's never going to be perfect. Perfect is a lie Mm. in your relationships, right? Um, like let yourself shake a little bit, eh? Like get uncomfortable. And anytime we're yeah. in we're in discomfort, that's where we're reaching our growth edges, right? Like that balloon, you blow the balloon a little bit more just to grow a little bit, reach that growth edge, to try something different and see what happens, which is giving my partner the opportunity to show who they are, to show up. And I think of that particularly when we're dating somebody. We want the data points to see who this other person is. Yes, I loved your question. <laughs> I think just just as you said, I um, coach women on being a love scientist. I love that. Yeah. And I'll talk about how the early stages of dating, it's actually really great information if you go through a conflict and you can see how you go through it. I think it's also great information what happens when you set a boundary. How does your partner respond to boundaries, right? And whether it's conflict or boundaries, you get to see how they respond. And then I would say, even more importantly, you get to say, how do I want to advocate for my needs if it's not the response? Is there opportunity to get to a place where we both want to put the work in to create secure attachment? Or does this person really lacking the emotional capacity to meet me where I'm at? Are, are they interested in repair or not? Mm. When we're building secure attachment and we have someone who's capable of building secure attachment with us, at the core of the relationship, both people want to build secure attachment together. And you come back to that over and over and over. I'm thinking even of my own relationship early on. We were long distance, so we had to do a lot of repairing over the phone. Um, and... We didn't get it right. It was messy and we just kept doing it. And we had fights, like there were fights, right? But it was messy. And I think if I'm trying to think of what were the signs to move forward rather than to jump ship, the signs were that we would keep going forward to understand each other and to try to, I I was going to say make it right, but not so much make it right, but so much as helping the other person feel respected and heard. So even if the other person didn't say, yes, you're right, 
um, I'm going to send you flowers, blah, 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 whatever that is. Right. But it was that there was respect, um, of trying to move forward. Morgan, something that I think people, uh, women in particular struggle with in terms of dating, uh, is that we say, well, they made this mistake. And so I'm not going to give them another chance. How do we navigate, like, what part of that is our attachment style versus, um, you know, not wanting to allow inappropriate behavior or being mistreated? Do do you know what I'm trying to ask? Yeah, I do. I love this question. I help women with this a lot. One of the things is really being able to say, hey, I am going to be the love scientist in these early stages of dating. I'm going to embody my securely attached self as much as I can and realign with secure attachment when, whenever I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that means I'm going to be willing to advocate for the kind of relationship that I want. I'm going mm. to be vocal about the relationship culture that I envision for my long-term romantic partnership, I'm going to tell you because if I don't tell you, you're not going to read my mind and you're not going to know. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to meet those standards that I have. And if you don't, it's okay. I can leave the relationship knowing I put it out there and I advocated for myself. So a lot of people with anxious attachment, we'll talk about our anxious, anxiously attached folks for a second. They want to just hold it all in. Yes. Right. And they're scared that if they advocate, the relationship will end. And there's that deep fear of abandonment. And the reality is, hey, the person could meet your needs if you advocate or sure, the relationship could end. And guess what? That leaves space for the right relationship to come into your life. So both outcomes are great. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And that person who struggles with that relationship anxiety there, there it's almost like you have to trust that you, like you have to really tap into that space of, I am lovable, I am deserving, and that if I don't put this out there, then I'm creating this relationship culture that's not aligned with what it is that I'm ultimately looking for. Yes, in the early stages of dating, we're really trying to intentionally build norms. And Mm -hmm. if you're not showing up as yourself in the early stages, or Mm -hmm. you're really struggling um, to express your needs, ultimately that could lay the groundwork for really difficult re- relationship um, experiences for, for the longevity of that relationship, unless you really intentionally course correct and find somebody like Dr. Tracy and really put the work in. But you know, if we can, we really want to build it from the ground up with the relationship culture that we want. It's the foundation of your relationship house. Can you show up yes. and be be honest about how how you want to feel in the relationship, how you want to be, how you want to work through conflict? Can you model all those things early on? 
Right. And that is about tapping out of that self-doubt. You have to do that. Okay. So, and that's the early part of the relationship because then I'm kind of seeing our, our beautiful community coming together in the sense of like, you're helping them in the beginning. And then when they're struggling in in their relationship long-term, they're coming over to see me. And so then what I'm going to talk about then is like when someone is more anxiously attached um, in their relationship is that when there is conflict, there is, and and because conflict, what conflict does is there's distance between us. And for, for someone who is higher on anxiety, that distance is uncomfortable. So Morgan, if you say, I want tacos tonight, and I say, well, no, I want pizza, that distance is too hard. The difference between us, the sameness is often what feels good. And so then if we get into a conflict of, of that, it's hard for me then to allow for space for us to have these differences. And so I, as someone, if I were to be anxious, will do an, the anxious pursuit, which is I'm going to um, knock on the door. I'm going to be like, okay, let's repair this. Okay, let's fix this. No, 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 I'm so sorry. So again, in a way we abandon ourselves because we're trying to fix this really quickly to close up that gap to feel safe again. It's a, it's a false sense of safety though, right? Because it's the safety of giving up myself to be back close to you. So again, pizza taco examples, I would be like, Oh no, no, no. I don't pizza. No, I won't take pizza tacos. We'll go for tacos. You want tacos? I'm here with you with tacos. And I've just closed that gap. Mm, So we repair too quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're very uncomfortable with the conflict or with, with the distance. And this is why, anxiously attached folks really benefit from learning self-soothing in their relationships, right? Yes. Right. So just learning to be able to step back a little bit, reminding yourself, you know, having that mantra in there that sounds like I am okay. I am lovable going for a walk, right? So if there is conflict, not trying to repair it right away, because when you try to repair it right away, you might be dysregulated. And then you start saying things that don't quite in what you intend to be said. So going for a walk, doing, you know, even if you go and do some other task that feels good for you, that's important. And then repairing after that. So learning to sit in that discomfort is important. Hmm. Hmm. And they, I think, would really benefit from an affirmation along the lines of conflict is a healthy and normal part of a great relationship. Absolutely. Yes. Let's We're move going. on to the avoidant. <laughs> yep. That's what I was going to say. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's talk okay. about it. Ah, uh, the avoidant. Okay. So this, and I think I, I've recently been talking about this on Instagram with some questions that have been coming up. Um, the individual who has an avoidant attachment style has all of the same feelings and needs as anybody else, but their strategies are to deactivate those feelings and needs. And then that lowers their stress and then they can go on and continue into the world. So they don't seek the closeness, like the anxious pursuit. They seek the distance, they self-soothe, they overly self-soothe. Um, They push it down, deactivate, and then continue forward. So then the challenge here is that for many of these people, they want to sweep it under the rug. They don't want to return back to the conversation because it is too overwhelming for them. 
They Mm -hmm. don't know what it means to work through that distress. I love that. I was reading some research recently on avoidant attachment and conflict, and it was talking about how avoidantly attached folks actually expect negative feedback from their partners. Mm. And that's, that's the model. Yes. Right. That it's the, I can't do anything right. And, and it's, you know, and it's interesting because I think oftentimes if we think of who, who can represent the individual who's avoidantly attached, we think of maybe the independent James Bond who will sleep with women and then leave, right? One night stands, they're independent. And yet they deep down on inside have this fear that they are not worthy, but it doesn't show on the outside. Instead, the other person is dangerous. Mm-hmm. I, I just think about distancing and independence as being their, their coping skills. If there's conflict, yeah. they want distance and they want to be as independent as possible. Yeah. Right. Because if I come over to you and say, you know what, you're right. I made a mistake. I spoke short. I I spoke abruptly to you and I was sharp and I'm so sorry that in some way that could almost threaten to lose your independence to this individual when in fact, actually this is healthy to do. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so if we have self-soothing as one of the things for anxiously attached folks, for helping them navigate, repair, what do we think it would be for the avoidantly attached person? I still think that there is this element of needing to learn how to self-soothe, right? Because the inner storm is still there and we want to be able to learn to soothe that. So we're not deactivating or stonewalling towards our partner. So there's got to be some self-soothing in there still. And at the same time, learning to turn towards your partner. And when we think of that, we don't have to jump into these big things, but it could be something small, right? And reminding yourself that if something happened between you two, it doesn't mean that you did something wrong. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean your partner is going to come out and say something negative about you. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yes. I think being able to ask for reassurance would be a really great growth edge. Mm. And then the other thing I think about is being willing to set your own boundaries and communicate your own boundaries. Because I think oftentimes avoidantly attached people will struggle with boundary setting. They'll either just not communicate it or they won't explain why it's important because they'll sort of assume, oh, my partner's going to really overreact to this. So I'm not even going to, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. I'm not going to tell my partner. So getting comfortable with boundary setting. Yes. And finding something that facilitates this type of conversation. So again, if we think of partnerships, sitting on the couch and staring into our eyes face to face might not be a way that feels good to repair. And so if that might be something that I like, but that doesn't feel good for you, that doesn't mean we have to do what I like. So I have members in my community and be connected in my online program where they have said, you know, what works for us is we actually do the dishes together. 
which is a beautiful analogy, similarly to going for a walk, because what you're doing when you're trying to repair is you're being shoulder to shoulder and you are actually holding this conflict outside of you and your partner. And you're saying, oh, look at this thing that happened between us. We got stuck. How can we look at this differently and move it and shape it so that we can come to a space of working together and coming through the other side? I love it so much. Absolutely. And I just want to say, Tracy, it's been so great to have this conversation with you and just get to hear you talk about these things that you are an expert in. Um, And I really want to encourage couples who are struggling to make sure they they go connect with you. Um, Do you want to talk at all a little bit about Be Connected? I would love to hear about that. And um, the, the other thing to think about is just your podcast in any way that that people can connect with you too. So absolutely. So I have an online program where I found that many women in relationships were struggling to get support. First of all, right now it's incredibly hard to see a couples therapist. I have a wait list and um, it's just, everybody has a wait list right now. So knowing that people didn't want to have to wait um, people or struggling to maybe afford services or their partner wasn't interested in going for therapy. And so I created my online program, Be Connected, so that you could learn the skills and tools that I teach the people in my office in the comfort of your own home. So I give you 12 core lessons to help you learn all of the communication strategies to learn to identify your own attachment style, that negative cycle that you get into. We all have a cycle in our relationships, how to get out of that cycle and how to shift out of negative communication patterns. And the piece that I really love about Be Connected that really fills me up is that each month we have a live Q&A call and I've had the opportunity to really see the changes that the women in the group are making and to see them identify their triggers and then to say, oh, wow. And I can see how this relates to my attachment style. And I was able to stop this. And then I got my partner to do it right. So it's been really cool to have um, the opportunity to work with so many people this way. So that is my online program. Um, You can find me at drtracyd.com. I have all of my e-learning there as well as my podcast called I'm Not Your Shrink, where I talk about more communication strategies, how we can show up as our true selves and change that really critical dialogue that we experience. I know that's the work that you're doing as well, Morgan. Yes. Yes. And you'll be sharing this episode on your podcast as well. Yes. So So can you please tell people where they can find you? (laughs) Yes. So you can check out the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. I'm so excited. We just hit the million downloads mark, which is amazing. Mind blowing. Um, But yeah, thank you. Available everywhere podcasts are aired. Um, And then I'm on Instagram at Dr. Morgan Coaching, Dr. Morgan Coaching. That's the best way to connect with me. Um, And then the program that I built really helps women who are dating and currently bringing in that great relationship. And maybe they're struggling with dating the same kind of people over and over and over. And they want to learn how to really bring in a healthy, securely attached relationship. 
that's the work I'm doing. So, and, um, and for everyone to check out your Instagram space, I am liking and saving all of your posts. And when I'm going through it, I'm usually pausing like, Oh yes, this one right here. So I just know that in your program, you're helping so many women to really align with their true self to be able to build and enter into that healthy relationship. So the work that you're doing, Morgan is so important. Thank you, Tracy. I really appreciate you. And I appreciate this conversation. I feel like every time I talk with you, it could just keep going and going and going. And then I look at the clock and it's like, oh my goodness, gotta wrap we need this to go. up. So um, I just appreciate you so much. And I hope that everybody in the audience really got a lot of value out of this episode. Me too. And for those listening, please let us know. Send us DMs. I love hearing yes. from people. Yes. We want to hear from you. You can take a screenshot of this and share it to your Instagram story and then just tag us both. Let us know what you took away from this episode. And of course, I know that we're both wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. Remember that you are right where you need to be. A reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health professional. Until next time, take good care of you. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.